from the four. Kirk takes the snap. Looks right. With the sound of the horn, we welcome you back to episode four, I believe, of the UK Scolders podcast. I'm your host, James, and this week I'm finally joined by Tom. How are you doing, Tom? No comment. <laughs> I feel like we should be saying that a lot this year. So, yeah, as you can tell, we've not been here since before the season even started. No preseason has gone on, and I'm sounding like an absolute idiot if you go back and listen to old episodes. I may have had a 13 and 3 season predicted, and now I'm shooting myself because I'm thinking 0 and 16 is hella possible. <laughs> oh. oh, man. I mean, we had this conversation. When did we have that conversation, actually? We had two conversations, one previous to the game yesterday, and another one after. What did I say to you about going to the week by week seven, looking very, very much in trouble? And Am I right? I didn't want to say it on Twitter because I don't want to say it on Twitter because I'm never going to... That's personal. That's my opinion to you. But now it's out on the pod. I'm going to back that if somebody comes at me on Twitter. But it's a real possibility right now. It is. I mean, the issue is, the conversation we had before, there's still a possibility we can go with a positive record, get a couple of wins, because I had faith that whatever went wrong in week one was going to be fixed week two, to a degree. It's not going to be perfect and it's going to be good. We're coming out of week two the problems have just seemed to have gotten worse and there's new ones cropping up because the offense couldn't even get going. We've yeah. gone from putting up 30 odd points at home to 11 points on the road. Yes, it's a road game. Yes, there were some fans allowed in the stadium, but there's no excuse to put up 11. It's just, it's such a dire situation that as Viking fans, especially if you've become Vikings fan recently, Zimmer's never gone 0-2 in his career. This is the first time that this has happened. It's the first time the Vikings have gone 0-2 since 2013 which we all know what happened that season. It was an awful season. And it's a very strong possibility that this will be the second time the Vikings have a losing record in Zimmer since his first season where he went 7-9. and nine. Absolutely. Um, and also, you know, I'll get into a couple more stats in a minute, but if you are looking for a little bit of progress, and I'm clutching at straws here, at least we had three more minutes on the ball this week. <laughs> We didn't do anything yeah. with it, but we had three more minutes. So we had 21 minutes on the ball this week, which is hella bad when you consider that the Colts had the best part of 38 minutes for the ball. I think that tells a lot. That does say a lot. I mean, just to quickly recap week one, because obviously we didn't cover it. Yeah. Uh, Vikings lose 42-38, I think it was, or something stupid like that. Have the franchise lowest time of possession uh, since the stat was recorded since 1982. For highest loss in Zimmer's Vikings career, highest loss in week one for the Zimmer in his Vikings career. The last time we lost a week one game, we finished 11-5. and five. That's probably not going to happen. Uh, <laughs> and yeah, it's just, at least in that game, Kirk went off in garbage time. Thielen yeah. had a couple of touchdowns. Cook had a couple of touchdowns. But this team just couldn't get anything going against the Colts this week. No. And I mean... Granted, again, it was only one, but we went, we kind of showed a glimpse, you know, in the fourth again, you know, with um, 
with Cook's TV. But, you know, it's too little too late by that point. You know, we we got into the, just reading the stats, we were inside the opponent's 20 twice. That was first play of the game when we kicked a field goal. And then our last possession um, in the, inside, their, inside their 20 was the touchdown to finish. And then when you consider that's twice and you see that, you know, the Colts have got, what, one, two, three, four. So they've done it double what I, we've done. Granted, the first one was interception. Two were touchdowns and one was a field goal. It's just not good reading at all. And you even consider the fact that the, let's go into a bit of positive news. Obviously, Cook being re-signed for the Vikings on a five-year deal. Yeah. Great bit of business. The Vikings have signed him so that in week two, we can have 50% of his possessions in the first and last drive of the game. He did nothing during the in-between. And to say that, obviously, the first drive started a bit positive, ended with the field goal, looked like things might have slowly snowballed from there. And the last drive capping it off with a garbage time touchdown. Yeah, Something's going wrong, but at least Cook is performing somewhat to the level we expect. Well, he is. He is. When he gets a ball every time, every time he looks like he's going to perform. I mean, just look at his stats yesterday. So 14, 14 attempts, 63 yards. Longest longest was 16-yard run, one touchdown. That's still positive from Dalvin, but we just need to use that a bit more. And I think we've got to be a lot better on that O-line. It's got to be a lot better. Um, but from from Cook's point of view, I think, you know, we we you say we need to look at him more. I think start of the game, I, te- I messaged you, said, Adam's feeling it today. You know, that was great. That that set the tone for me, but the problem is then, Thielen then only was only targeted eight times. That's more no. than any other player on our team. Yet, you know, what did we really do with it? We we didn't really do much with it. Average ten point three, thirty one yards for the game. We've only received the ball three times. Yeah, I mean it's interesting to note that no Vikings receiver on the day went above fifty yards. The highest being first round rookie Justin Jefferson with forty four. Yeah. It's it's a downturn in production from week one. And it just shows that there's more issues popping up that shouldn't be popping up. This is a team that's lost its complete identity both on both sides of the ball. And even though we were promised in the preseason of what there was of it, this isn't a rebuild, this is a refresh. We lost four hundred plus snaps of experience on defense. We were promised this isn't a rebuild, this is a refresh. We're just getting younger to be more competitive. Kirk signs his new deal. We promised this is it, this is our guy. And Tom can vouch for this. In our conversations prior, I've been an avid defender of Cousins, avid defender of everything they've done with him. At this point, my faith is shaken. It's only week two, it might be an overreaction, but we have discussed this personally. We could be 0-6 by the bye week pops up. The only game I can see as realistically winning at the minute is the Texans, and even then, that's pushed because they are surprisingly competitive for what they are. Yeah, I agree. It's, I agree. It's just going to be a mess. It. Look, let's put it this way: it has the potential to be absolutely disastrous. And based off the first two games, I have zero expectations anymore. I think it's just game by game. Let's hope we can improve. Let's hope we can figure this out. And Zimmer finds his way because, like, yesterday, what did we, we, we had the conversation again on our own goal line? Let's look at the safety. 
there, there was just absolutely no need. First, first play, he runs. Second one, back in Kirk drops in back out the pocket. He's absolutely clattered, and it's a safety. I mean, yes, it was a good play from the Colts, but again, on our own goal line, there's things we, like that we can't do. It's the basics of the game, and it's just being allowed to happen. And it's not just on the goal line. It's across the board in general. I mean, how many times was I going mad to you on our Zoom call yesterday during the game saying it's just not good enough? I could lost track, honestly. I mean, you've got to consider the facts now as well. If you even take go into last season, the Vikings have now record had a safety recorded against them three games in a row. Last week against the last game of the season against the Bears, there was a safety on Seaman, and uh, the two games this season, both a safety, one from uh, Alexander coming in off the edge, which. Play action in week one was a questionable choice in the end in, on our own goal line again. And in week two, you had great play again by the D line and sacking him in the end zone. But it's a questionable call. The ref said Kirk had lost all momentum. We had a discussion, said maybe they could have given it either way because he was going forward before he fell. Uh, personally, I'm still on the issue of if the knee's not down and there's still some movement, regardless of where it's going. The play shouldn't be called dead until a knee goes down. Uh, but it's done. We conceded the two and we punted it away. But this is another thing as well. How bad was Britton Colquitt yesterday? You said it on the first yeah. punt of the game when he whiffed it and the returns just come back. Yeah. We, this is a guy who last season was a great punter. Didn't suffer a touchback in the regular season. His first one came back in the playoffs. He was great all season. He's not looked the same guy since we've re-signed it. And I've enjoyed the continuity on special teams. I have. Having Dan Bailey back has proved to be a stalwart deal. Even Cole Quick coming back has been great. But even to most people, a punter doesn't seem like an important position. It's just a guy to come on the field regularly and just get it downfield. It's key for game management. He can't be whiffing kicks like that. No. And And not only that, we can't be allowing the yardage to follow back with it. It just... It's senseless. It, it really is senseless. And if you're not doing the fundamentals, you, you're going to get punished. And again, I think, you know, I think we were punished. And Mike knows that himself. And, you know, I, I just want to run through a quote that actually stood out to me in his, in his, post, his post-game uh, press conference. And there was one thing where he said that I mentioned that Kirk found Adam with the first player of the game, and it was absolutely brilliant to see. But then from then on out, he struggled, only targeted him eight times, found him three. So Zimmer was asked, do you think Kirk has struggled to connect with guys like Adam Thielen through the first three games and why? He says, I don't know. I'll look at it. I think maybe he, uh, what do you say, maybe if you go back to last week, I know he hit Kyle a few times, Kyle Rudolph, Irv Smith a few times. They dropped the ball. I'm going to think where the other balls were dropped by the other guys. And the coverage is obviously getting dictated towards Adam. Of course it is. How many times have I said to you again, we need to be more than Adam Thielen. We have yeah. to be. Because he's going to be doubled. He's, they're going to pressure him. Because at the moment, and I don't want to speak about the other guy's name, but since we've lost that guy, that is our only threat downfield. And uh, towards the end of the game, where I think it was the end of the first half, Kirk heaved it down, intercepted, trying to find Thielen. 
He was double teamed. They knew it was coming. Every team that comes against us now knows that if you've got Cook covered, if you've got Adam covered, there's no one else. There is nobody yeah. else. I mean, and this leads on to a point we're going to make about the game itself. And I said this to you during. Uh, we had a discussion and a name popped up, if you remember rightly. And I suggested the idea. Now, this Vikings fans, you can ridicule me all you want. You can go on our socials and say, oh, this is the guy we need. Des Bryant. He's a vet. He knows what he's doing. He's got capable hands. He's a name defenses are going to worry about. It gives Jefferson more time. Even though Jefferson led the team in receiving yards last night, it still gives him time to develop behind two great wide receivers. And he offers just something else. You can get him in on a veteran deal. We've still got the space to do it. We might have about just over $2 million in cap space. We can do it for just under $2 million, one-year deal, give him a lot of incentives, let him play, and see if it works out. He's... Yeah, he was having a few drops. He's not been in the league for a few years. But I think just getting him in, even over the bye week, if you can see, give it until the bye week, if that's what you want to do. Get him in during then. Let him visit. Let him work out. See if he's still got the hands. Line him up in the slot. Line him up alongside Thielen. Make Jefferson the number three, because Olavisi Johnson isn't an NFL wideout. I've said this before. And see where we can go from there, because it's low-risk, high-reward. You don't have to re-sign him. You can even franchise tag him if you want next season, although that's probably going to go on a Yannick and God play so they can sort out a deal. Uh, but that's going to come in a mastermind plot later. Um, but yeah, there's Bryant to the Vikings. Tom, what do you think? I'm picking up the phone now and calling him. I mean, what have they got to lose? They haven't got anything to lose. And, you know, he's probably one of the only guys that's out there now that you could say, right, come in. We know what you're about. Come and do a job for us, and let's see how it goes. And if if it pays off, it pays off. It's a masterstroke. If it doesn't, well, at the end of the day, you know we can't be in a worse situation we find ourselves in now. And which makes another point quite clear, because Zimmer yesterday in his conference said clearly that he's not putting up with poor performances anymore. Which then furthers my point to what you're going to say with with Des, and then another name come up that we spoke about, um, Colin Kaepernick. Yeah. If Cousins can see, if he continues to, to struggle, and we are in a, and we're destined to tank for Trevor, are we talking this conversation of, actually, do you know what? Let's get him in. Because what's there to lose there? I know the yeah. cap space becomes all awkward and it comes hard and we probably can't afford to do it, but surely there, some way, somewhere, somehow, there's an option where we could say, right, do you know what? We need something by week. Get them in. Des, Colin Kaepernick, work them out together. Give us something. Yeah. The, now, first of all, this was recommended as well by uh, Twitter user George Peck, who was over on the UK Scourges socials. Uh, great bit of discussion from him and again if you ever want to get involved in the show messages on there drop us a mention we'll happily discuss with you and we'll probably bring it up on the podcast um, bringing him in is again another low risk high reward kind of ceiling but you make that move if you think right Kirk isn't the guy you have to be adamant on that and then you have to choose between do you want to bring in the quarterback or do you want to bring in the wide receiver because if we look at the cap realistically the Vikings have about 2.8 million a vet deal is going to cost you just under two. 
So that leaves us just basically just over a million left or just under. And it's one or the other. Do you want to take pressure off Thielen or do you want to bench Kirk? Because this was an interesting thing. And this is going to, again, allude to a mastermind plot we're going to discuss later. Uh, Kirk, if you trade him before the third day of the season in 2021, the dead cap hit is only 10 million. And I think you save about 51 mil off it. Uh, if you find a suitor, I'm hearing Kyle Shanahan, uh, again, got the best out of him in, in Washington, name redacted. Uh, but Jimmy G's not quite cutting it. I mean, you consider the fact that there's a stat come out. Joe Burrow threw more attempts during the Thursday night football game against the Browns than Jimmy Garoppolo did the entire playoff run for the Super Bowl. That says a lot about what they think Jimmy G is capable of. I think Kirk fits the Shanahan system. I think if they want to hit that button, bench Jimmy G, bring in Kirk for a second round, they could do it. Yeah. Uh, Especially now they're in trouble as well. You see the injuries they had yesterday. Yeah, they are in massive, massive trouble. But this also opens up another possibility of Mm. some of the players that they lost. If the Vikings are considering a rebuild at this point, do they just say, right, here, 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 here. These players are all up for trade. Give us your offers and we'll load up on picks. You yeah. don't want to see it, but at the same time, the pieces that we have at the minute, you're talking Anthony Barr, reaching 30, Adam Thielen, start hit 30, Harrison Smith in his 30s, Anthony Harris, not hit his 30s, but on a franchise tender, uh, and Gutway, one-year deal. This is the kind of stuff that you're looking at if you're the organization saying, right, can we afford to keep this, or do we need to trade these now, get what we can, and go again next season? Yeah, This is a very awkward time for the Vikings. Uh, I don't think they're going to admit that publicly yet. Not until about week eight, week nine, depending on how the record's gone. Mm. Um, but we could be looking at the first Vikings team to go 0-16 in my eyes. Like This is such a regression from uh, Zimmer's first season with Cousins. And this is even such a regression for before the Zimmer era. This is 20, this is potentially 2012 Vikings. And even then, I think this team is worse. If you put those two teams on the field against each other, I think with the talent that 2012 team had in its day, it'd just walk all over them. I mean, of course, you had Adrian Peterson in that team, and he was an amazing talent. And he, considering the fact that this team has no run defense, it, it'd just stomp them. But it's just, it's not a good look. And I don't know where the positives come from. I mean, I'm not actually ready to hit panic mode right now, so I can't see how the Vikings at all can be thinking like that. But the alarm bells are certainly ringing. I mean, you know, like Kirk at his own conference yesterday, he he admitted he wasn't sharp. He's not on his game. He was asked, um, what is your role as a starting quarterback on on a team starting 0-2? His reply was, well, you just get right back at it. You don't change your habits. You keep the same habits you've had for years and make sure that your teammates are doing the same and keeping a laser laser like focus. Well, I get that, I appreciate that, but we haven't seen it yet. So, my biggest thing here is and it's going to tie in what you said if you keep the same habits, we are possibly talking about a very bad season here. That's it. I mean, saying you've got to stay the course and keep your habits in. These habits have got you 0-2. These yeah. habits have got you into a losing scenario. 
I mean, I jokingly said to you yesterday, uh, Kirk should grow back the beard because that's when he seemed to have all his good power and he brought the you like that attitude or as a lot of media was calling it, you like that, which I absolutely detested as a slogan. <laughs> it was awful. We should never bring it up again. Uh, but it was that. The attitude was that. Yeah. And I think this, again, this is going to allude onto something I'm going to bring up later and it's a mastermind plot and it's so crazy that it's in the realms of fantasy. <laughs> I think there needs to be a culture change in Minnesota. I think the day of having this amazing defense, the pressure up front is still there, especially when Hunter comes back. I mean, I said this to you yesterday, Hunter and Gakway on either side of the ball, you don't know who to double team them. Yeah. And one's going to get, one or the other's going to get there. And Gakway showed it yesterday. He is starting to sharpen up three tackles, one assisted, well, two tackles with one assisted tackle and a sack. It looks decent. This is looking like the Ngakwe we knew we yeah. should have been getting. And pairing that Ngakwe up with Neil Hunter, who should come back against the Texans, is a different ball game. And I think if you manage to tie both of those players down, you've got your defensive ends for the next six, seven years, and you don't have to worry about that position. With Michael Pierce coming back next season on his three-year deal, that would be great. And that sorts that D-line, so you don't have to worry about that. It just still brings up the problems we're having in the secondary with the defensive backs. I mean, we've registered our first interception of the season last night against the Colts, but you heard my surprise of when I said who it was. Eric yeah. Wilson. You don't expect Eric Wilson to be caught with the interceptions. <laughs> I mean, if there's any linebacker that's going to come away, it's going to be caught who I consider probably the best Viking at the minute, Eric mm -hmm. Hendricks. I mean, he had 12 tackles again yesterday. Yeah, He's an amazing talent, and he's trying to carry that defense so hard, and it's just not working out. I mean, he was sideline yeah. to sideline again. Yeah, and while we're on the topic of uh, Eric Wilson, I'll bring in some stats because I feel like I need a bit of positivity right now. Yeah, go ahead. <laughs> so, <laughs> of course, yesterday was Eric's 50th appearance in the NFL. He intercepted Philip Rivers' pass on the, on the Vikings 5, which was actually the first play of the second quarter. As, we, as you mentioned, you're surprised because it was his first of his career and it was actually the first takeaway of the Vikings season. So... You know that that's a positive there. Um, we spoke about Justin Jefferson, who I who I said is going to be the rookie that's going to, you know, be the standout this year. He took his uh, longest ever pass, 22 yards, with, with 16 seconds left in the second half, uh, in the first half. Sorry, what followed that was the deep pass to Thielen that got turned over. But you know, positive from Jefferson, finished the game 44 yards on three receptions. If we can get that from him and Kurt start to utilise that, brilliant. The conversation we had about Des Bryant becomes a little bit easier, but it's still a need in my opinion. And of course, Dalvin, who was my, my player of the day for us, again, I think it's an easy, easy go-to, but you know he capped off an eight-play, 75-yard drive, a three-yard rushing touchdown in the fourth quarter. And you know he obviously converted the two-point conversion. Uh, and he actually tied your goat my goat, Randy Moss, you know, he's third, third most two-point conversions in, in Vikings history with uh, three conversions successful. But as a, little, as a little thing here, I'm going to play a little game just quickly on the back of this. Who are the other two? Um, one has four, the other has five. I'd have to guess one of them is Adrian Peterson. No. No? No. Oh, um... It's going to be someone stupid like Warren Moon. Nope. 
Go on then, who is it? Dante Culpepper, four. Chris Carter, uh-huh. five. You know, you would, <laughs> you'd, cons- you'd always consider it. I, first of all, completely forgot about Culpepper. Uh, that's my bad. That. But Chris Carter, <laughs> you, considering who he played with, you'd expect Moss to have been higher. So when you said Moss was third, it's like, nah, there's no way Carter's higher than Moss. <laughs> so yeah. I just... Yeah. I was expecting someone stupid, like being, oh, it's actually Eric Wilson. He's suddenly popped up with five <laughs> over his 50 appearances. Yeah. Or CJ Ham. Yeah. Yeah, CJ Ham. He actually made, had a good play yesterday, really good play yesterday, but, you know, I'm fed up of talking about yesterday, but we'll, we'll do a few more. Um, his fir- we, we mentioned him earlier in his first, in his first start for the Vikings in Gokwe. First, for- first forced fumble. Of 2020 on a strip sack on Philip Rivers, which was brilliant to see. And he obviously loves playing the Colts. That was his ninth in his career against them. He's got forced four forced fumbles and seven tackles for losses, which is just great. Um, and I'm scratching. I, I really was scratching, clutching at straws yesterday, trying to find the positive. So Eric Kendricks, we've got to mention him. He moved into second. Uh, into tie tie second for the most career tackles for a loss by a Vikings linebacker as he tackled uh, their running back Jonathan Taylor for a loss of only two yards, but still he's at thirty six now, which is a nice little. This stat. is this is something I do need to bring up actually. Jonathan Taylor, I said before the game, I said in my preview that with Marlon Mack being out, the run game isn't going to be as efficient. I apologize. Jonathan Taylor, if you're listening by some sheer luck or sheer coincidence, I apologize for all the bad words I said leading up to this game this week. You proved me wrong, good sir. And for that, I hope for forgiveness. You showed my team that we are absolutely terrible against the run. 26 carries, 101 yards, one touchdown. He was immense. And especially picking up as a first-year back for the gap that Marlon Mack leaves. Marlon Mack, by no means, is a top five, top six running back. He's a top 10, he's a serviceable talent, but it's still a big gap to fill when he goes down for the season. So for that, to do that, fair play, Jonathan Taylor. You are my cult player of the week. <laughs> oh, dear. I were talking stats, and there's one stat I haven't brought up yet. Have you noticed it? And it was a oh. big one on the podcasters chat yesterday. Go on. You asked me about it earlier, and you said, it's true, it's true, is it true? Is it true? And I, was, I was like, just leave it with me. I've got it for you. So there was a thing yesterday, right? As we all know, or you may not know, Philip Rivers has nine kids, aging from, I believe there's a six-month-year-old baby to a 19-year-old. Wow, hell of a difference. Fair play. I've got four myself and a nightmare. Um, but I was, it, it was put in there saying, actually, uh, Cousins completed less passes than Rivers has kids. And I was like, no way. It, it's just not possible. Is so, as soon as the stat sheet come out from the NFL, so you can't say I've made this up, I got it. And actually, here we go. Cousins, he attempted 26, 26 attempts, right? How, just have a guess on how many completions. He completed 11. He did. So, wherever that little stat come from, let's put that to bed because he didn't. But if you are trying to find something to make us cry even more, <clears throat> excuse me, then I mentioned it earlier. Um, Adam Thielen was, was targeted less times 
than Philip Rivers has kids. So, yeah, Philip Rivers had Philip Rivers has more kids than we more time uh, more kids than we attempted to find him yesterday. So there you go. If that's re- really what you want to do, then there you go. I mean, this is a man who could field an entire NFL offense yeah. with himself. His and wife, it was only his nine children. And it was only one, though. So, and going back to the Kirk Cousins thing, unless Mrs. Rivers had a couple more kids yesterday during the game, then that's, that's just not true. I'm looking at, I've, I've just Googled, out of curiosity, Philip Rivers' kids, right? Yeah. I've got the names up. For the most part, they're all quite normal. You've got Claire Rivers, Rebecca Rivers, Anna Rivers, Caroline Rivers, Grace Rivers, Hale Rivers, which is a bit weird, mm. Peter Rivers, Sarah Catherine Rivers. His, one of his sons, and I've got to think, this was just Rivers. He'd had three shots of whiskey during the birth. He's annoyed that this thing's took six hours to come out. He's looked at it and he goes, Sir, what would you like to call your newborn son? I want to call it Gunner. It's going to be called Gunner. And we've got Gunner Rivers. Yeah. Which, oddly, sounds like gonorrhea. <laughs> He's cursed that child for life. So congrats, Philip Rivers. You've named your son after an STD. <laughs> Unless he's an Arsenal fan, but then we don't want to talk about that kind of football either, let's be honest. No, nope, we're not talking about that. <laughs> but, uh, yeah, you know, it is, it is quite funny because he's actually, well... He's actually the fourth oldest, so he's not even the. You can't even say that's a new one. It, that no. was going back some years. Fair play, Philip Rivers, and and and, and wife. That was that was that's good. Well done. Yeah. But James, I think now, honestly, I really would like to move on from all talk of that yet game yesterday. Um, obviously, we'll, we'll we'll eventually end up talking, you know, next week's game, which. It's an interesting one for me because the Titans just, you know, they're just weird. I mean, they played the Jags yesterday that have been playing weird themselves. They, but for some reason, the Jags like saying, right, we're really bad and then being really good. Yeah. They, they are not sitting down. Minshew Mania is running Which, wild. I, of course it honestly, is. Honestly, every time he enters the locker room, I'm pretty sure the Hulk Hogan theme is playing. Yeah, absolutely. Um, but yeah, um, and I mentioned it before we came on air and it kind of put you in a little bit of a derail until you, you know, you wised up and said, no, it's okay, we'll be fine, don't worry. Somehow Zimmer says we're going to look at the tape and fix things. Kirk says we're going to look at tape and fix things. But, you know, he was actually asked, Zimmer was actually asked about next week's game um, and how he's going to put up with the speed of Derek Henry. And his reply was, we're going to have to keep fighting. We're a little bit small, and we're a lot smaller than we were. But that's all part of it. All part of what, Zimmer? All part of what? But hey, move on. Let's go. It's all right. You can't start winning until you stop losing. And that's the one I was keeping to the end. But let's keep it. Let's keep it all with that. I had an absolute meltdown I, to the point of I refused to watch the fourth quarter. I turned it off. I said to James, I'm not watching this anymore. I've had enough. So I paused it. Luckily, I watched it. I watched it back. Don't worry. I watched it just a little bit later on. But I did my usual routine, put the kids to bed, check Twitter, see what's happened, see if there's any big plays I've missed watching a Vikings game. And all of a sudden, a tweet comes up where Mike Zimmer has, has turned around to the press and said, what we've got to do is 
and I've told the guys this. To win, you have to stop losing. To which I tweeted Captain Obvious with a thumbs up saying, well done, because that's all I've got to say about it. I mean, yeah. if that's how inspiring you are to a team. No wonder we're 0-2. Good God, Mike. Come on. It's like I use the adage on the first and ten podcast uh, last week, and it was an old Lombardi quote. And it was after the week one loss to the Packers, and I said, "We didn't lose; we just ran out of time." This time we lost. We just lost. We were outscored in every quarter of our one, where we went three to nothing in the first quarter, and we just lost. It was a loss. It's there. It's in the books. We were sh- not going to say that. We were awful. And it just, it's a loss. It's there. But we can move on because yeah. we now have the realm of fantasy we want yeah. to enter. So, Tom can vouch for this. About the second quarter in, I started jotting down a lot of things. I started looking at contracts. I started looking at deals. I started looking at money to buy out. And I have come up with the perfect plan for the current Viking season. Now, first of all, I'm going to preface this with what we should do. The tank for Trevor is on. This is real. This is happening. This has to happen. So I'm now Rick Spielman. I've gone to Zimmer. Lose every game this season. We're going to get Trevor Lawrence. He's a -a once-in-a-generation talent. He's going to be the best quarterback to grace the league. He's going to beat all the records. You think this Pat Mahomes guy is good? Wait till we get Trevor Lawrence in. So, yeah, we go down. You keep Kirk Cousins in for 2021. You draft Trevor Lawrence, sit him back, and you tell Kirk Cousins, this is a must-win season for you. If you don't do anything with this, you're gone. All right? Because after the 2021 season, in his 2022, he has a cap hit of $45 million, but a dead cap hit, if you cut him, of $10 million. So that's a saving of $35 million on the cap, which is a lot of money. Right? With Trevor Lawrence, you get a generational talent. You get your future court franchise quarterback, barring any injuries or any mishaps, and he should sort you for the next 10, 12 years. But there's a big, big piece to this. And I said this to Tom. We need to replace Mike Zimmer. And we've got to stay in state. And I said, why not look at the Minnesota Gophers and PJ Fleck? Tom, what was your reaction to this? I was lost for words, just like I am now. I mean, what? I get it. I do get it. I love, I love, I love the fact that he's already in Minnesota and he's had a hell of a college career and he's done some wonders for the Gophers. But I just don't think it's realistic. But I know for a sure fact, and I know you have, so I'm going to let you do it because you did it through the Zoom call. You've got your notes. You took so much time. Just explain and back up your reasons for that appointment. Okay, so Cousins and Zimmer's deal both end in 2022, right? Mm-hmm. PJ Flick recently signed a new seven-year deal in 2019 to take him through to 2026 on his current deal. If you activate his buyout in 2022, that buyout is $3 million which is $2 million less than what we are currently paying Mike Zimmer annually without bonuses, right? So to buy out Fleck and potentially buy, if you want to buy him out and then you buy out Zimmer and buy out Cousins, that's an $18 million 
hit for the Vikings. Added to the fact that you save thirty-five million just by cutting Cousins alone, you save five million more by cutting Zimmer. That's forty million. The Vikings are making a twenty-two million dollar save before any contracts are signed. Right? By this time, you either you have Trevor Lawrence for a year. The rookies we've signed this season have three years of experience, and the draft class prior have two, and we've got a new class uh, coming in. So they'll be in the third, they'll be in the second. We've got a new class coming in, right? PJ Fleck offers what I think is needed in a culture change. He came into uh, Michigan, had a massive culture change, brought in DJs, brought in charisma. He was on the field with the wideouts and the cornerbacks with cleats, just on the field, running the routes. He was doing this in Tampa Bay when he was the wide receivers coach as well, just helping out, making sure the players have this feel. He brings energy. He brings passion. He led Michigan to have four highest-ranked draft classes in a row for the college, which was unprecedented for him. Signing for the Gophers since then, he's gone 23-15 and 15 in Minnesota with one ball win. So he's won the big game. He knows what he's doing. He's led recently the Gophers to a 10-2 and two season where two Hall of Fame coaches for the Gophers only ever recorded eight wins max in a season. So he's beaten their records. He's honestly, he's got the right attitude. He's got the right temperament. It's going to be a great culture change. It's the money is there to buy him out. We could definitely do it. And we bring up the example of these top college coaches going to the NFL. Long time, they don't work out. I'm looking at Matt Rule as an example as to why this is a good change. The Panthers have brought in Matt Rule to help them out. They got rid of Riviera. Uh, he's now doing a decent job in Washington, even though they're 1-1 one one against the Cardinals. It was a great showing. Um, they're bringing in Matt Rule. Seven picks all on defense, trying to change the culture. The positive signs are there, and it looks like if you give him the time, it's going to work out in two or three years. This is now what we have to say with PJ Flakes. Is right, we know first year, probably not going to work out. As long as you can get a six wins, middle of the table, be great. But the next year, we know you'll be loaded and ready to move on, ready to get on that ball win. He can win the big games. He knows players that can win the big games. He's got an eye for talent. Pair him up with Rick Spielman, who's great at that lower round draft picks. It'll be amazing. It's a pairing almost match made in heaven. The money's there. The deal works out. And even to put this into perspective, the 10 and 2 season for Minnesota Gophers was their best since 1904. They beat their first college ranked opponent since 1974 and had their highest ranking in the collegiate system since 1962. He has done this in three seasons. Three. If you're not if anyone's telling me <laughs> that PJ Fleck can't turn around an organization at an NFL level. I say you are wrong, good sir. I think he's perfect for Minnesota. I I guess it depends on how this... Look, I think it all depends on how it plays out. I'm not against it. I thought about it after we spoke about it. I thought about it. It's a match made in Minnesota. Not exactly. heaven, Minnesota. <laughs> I mean, Minnesota there. is heaven at this point. Even he's already he's there. His college career has been incredible. He's obviously got a little bit of uh, bit of experience. I would do it on the simple basis of 
we cannot complain if it doesn't go right. We have no. to, we get rid of Zimmer. I like Zimmer. I think he's probably one of the greatest defensive coaches ever, but obviously not this year. Let's not bring that up again. No. Getting rid I mean, of a guy like that, you to get a guy like that in, it's, it's a hell of a swap. I know you said, well, you asked Zimmer to step down a little bit and go to the court, defensive coordinator. I don't think he takes that. With Zimmer now, I think it's everything or nothing. Um, it could work. I think it would work. But what, then what would that mean for Kubiak? He, he'd have to go because surely this guy, Fleck, coming in wants the whole say on everything. He's going to want to call plays. He wants that. That's the type of coach that I've seen him as. When I, all the research I've done, that's what I've seen him as. He's a guy that wants to be hands-on and have a say on absolutely everything. I think it would change absolutely. It changed everything. It, like you said, culture change. The whole Vikings organization will change from top to bottom and it would have to work and it, it would have to almost be instantly working. Yeah. Um, on the culture change, and obviously Fleck is hands-on, Obviously, Gary Kubiak would have to go, but considering the fact that we're 0-2 and we look like we've regressed since the Stefanski ran all time, it's not... Something's gone wrong. I think Kubiak is done, personally. It's weird to say that about a Super Bowl winning coach. I think if we go into the bye week with any less than three wins, his seat's red hot, almost mm -hmm. on fire, and I think the fans will be wanting him out and probably wanting Zimmer to... Uh, go as well. Yeah. I think if you can convince Zimmer to go down to defensive coordinator, he's less hands-on, he's less in media pressure, he just has to call his great defensive plays that he knows he can do, I think that would benefit him more, because I remember a post by Zimmer's daughter a few year, a couple years back now, where everyone was getting on Mike Zimmer's back after the 8-7-1 season. Uh, she's saying this man puts his health second, the team first. He's losing. He loses weight throughout the season. He's almost constantly ill. He's aged more than he should have during this time. And this Zimmer's not a young guy. He's in his sixties. I think dropping back into that defensive coordinator role would be perfect for him. It'd help Fleck adjust to the league because he's got this experienced guy on his DC, and he's just in his ear saying, "Look, this is what you need to do." But I think adding the culture change, where you've catering to more of the youth, more bringing in this charisma, bringing in this hands-on approach, bringing in, I want a bit of this, bit of that, bit of everything. Having the eye for talent that he does, I just don't see how it could go wrong for the Vikings. And especially, considering the fact that we'd move on from Cousins as well, either a Cousins fan or a Cousins hater, I'm a fan still. I, obviously, my faith is shaken. I did this during the time. I'll preface this. This was just done in the heat of a moment stuff, and I did my extra research about it, so I thought it'd be great to talk about. Um, going on from this, it's it makes a lot of sense. Clearing up $35 million in cap space, because that's the key thing, saves a lot of people. We have, we'll have we have Rudolph in like the last two years of his deal. We'll have Thielen in the last two years of his deal. Harrison Smith will be in like the last year of his deal. Anthony Harris has probably gone at this point because we don't re-sign him. We'll probably renegotiate in Gokway, because I agree with what a lot of fans are saying. You don't trade away a second-round pick for a guy you have no intention of re-signing. And I think there's something in the pipeline similar to this, probably a different guy to look at, but there's something similar to this in the pipeline that the Vikings are looking at, because there's no coincidence that everyone's contract 
It's gone beyond Zimmer and Kurt at the minute. And Kurt could be 34. Zimmer will be in his late 60s. It, it's, it just seems too coincidental that everyone else has gone beyond that time period. Even people reaching the 30s are going into their 30s. That it's too, it's too coincidental. I think Spielman is planning ahead for the future. But even though his contract's the same as Zimmer, so I could see him gone as well. And if we lose Spielman, I know what fans might think of him. I think that's a massive regression for the Vikings, even if we do get Fleckett. I think Spielman has doesn't get the credit he deserves. I mean, you look at his late-round picks that work out well. The most recent one is going to be Cameron Dantzler. Everyone's hyped on him, and we missed him on Sunday. He was a massive presence miss. He looked the best against the Packers. I think if we had him, it's a bit of a different ballgame. So it's going to be interesting to see. That's my take for the future. And I think if I was Rich Spielman, I'm phoning up Minnesota Gulf to say, hey, we're going to steal your guy in like two years. Get ready. <laughs> I mean, if you've listened to the whole episode there, I want you to comment below this post and let us know what you think of the James theory. James's way to get the Vikings back on track to where, to where they should be and beyond. I want to hear from you. Me right now, I'm on the fence. I hate being on the fence, but I'm on the fence. I do it because I think it has the potential to be a masterstroke. But on the other hand, I don't because better the devil you know at this point. For now, until the panic button gets hit and it will be hit on this podcast, I'm telling you, week seven, if we do what I think we're going to do, that panic button gets hit on this podcast and we're having this con- we're having this conversation with maybe a little murmur out of the camp itself letting us know that actually what we were talking about in week after week two literally makes a little bit of sense now. Yeah, I mean, that's it. And going back to the point of Spielman, I would phone up the golfers and say, here, you give us PJ Fleck, We'll give you the contract that we held on for Leslie Fraser and see if you accept that. Even though Leslie Fraser is uh, not a good head coach. <clears throat> but yeah, uh, let us know what you think, guys. Uh, as you can tell, this is the end of the podcast now. We're going to wrap up. Stay safe. This is still unprecedented times. We all believe in yourselves. Uh, be good to people. And as always, Skull Vikings. He gets away from the pressure. Fires to the end zone. It's hot! Whoa!